Welcome to Reimagining Schools, a podcast from the Edupreneur Academy. Today, I'm going to be talking with Adam Mangana, who's going to tell us a little bit about his background and how he got started in the educational entrepreneurship world. Hi, Adam. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Aaron, I'm honored to be here. I appreciate you coming on. And we're excited to hear a little bit more about what you're doing in the Edupreneur space. And it sounds like you've got some really creative things going and some interesting concepts. And so I would love to start with just hearing a little bit more about your background and what led you to education and entrepreneurship. Absolutely. So yeah, in, in undergrad, I was a, a classics major and uh, have always loved the great books. And um, uh, when I was in undergrad, I did a few internships on Wall Street and realized I did not want to uh, ruin old people's retirement for a living. And so <laughs> I decided that I would pivot and uh, my first job out of undergrad, like LeBron, I took my talents to South Beach and I was a Teach for America uh, um, alum uh, teaching special education. I thought I was gonna be teaching government um, and history and uh, ended up teaching uh, special education. Uh, but because I had taken some engineering courses while I was at Brown computer science engineering courses, every school community that, that I was a part of they always made me the coding coach, you know. So I was, so I was in this, these interesting, uh, these interesting worlds where you know, I'm a lover of the great books and history and economics. But as a matter of pragmatism um, and human capital, uh, as as the coding craze kind of moved through the early 2000s, I was positioned to be the the coding coach at most of the the schools I was uh, working at. So. Um, so what happened about seven years ago, um, I ended up in Mississippi. My wife is a professor of radiation oncology at Ole Miss, and I ended up in Mississippi. And um, I was looking for ways to broaden who would jump on the coding teams at the relative, you know, the, the different schools that I worked at. And um, the way that VR is developed, virtual reality is developed, um, we just felt like we would be able to access, you know, people who are interested in three-dimensional art, uh, sound effects, um, you know, uh, lighting, other pieces that would broaden the scope of, of who would join the, the coding team. And so we got really excited about, um, you know, trying to teach kids how to develop VR applications. So this all kind of coincided with uh, Palmer Lucky and, uh, and Facebook acquiring, uh, you know, Oculus. And then, um, you know, in 2016, the Oculus Rift coming out and, uh, and at around the same time, I uh, decided to go back to graduate school and um, I did a master's in independent school leadership at Vanderbilt. But my capstone project was focused on virtual reality and education. And I built one of the largest VR labs in the country at that time at uh, Jackson Preparatory School in Jackson, Mississippi, and used kind of uh, what I was excited about um, to, to kind of preach the gospel of VR and education. Uh, at that time, each unit was about $3,000. And so uh, it was out of the reach of most schools, um, but I could see the power of the technology and, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and see what it would mean. And then um, eventually I became a head of school and, and, and during the pandemic, during my headship, while the world pivoted to Zoom school, uh, mm -hmm. we piloted a uh, ready player one style uh, VR, mobile VR school, because the Oculus Quest 2 was out at that moment, and we could get Oculus Quests um, to students. Um, actually, Oculus Quest 1 was out in, in the spring when we piloted 
the, the two came out that fall, but uh, we could get quests to the kids. And so we, we began doing that. And um, one of the things that I thought about was, you know, how do we, uh, how do we capture the attention of, uh, of, you know, famous folks in the community that might come on uh, and come and talk to the kids because everyone was stuck at home. And so we invited, you know, the chancellor of Ole Miss, president of a number of colleges around the country, and finally uh, stumbled on Brett Favre, who came to class, and that made uh, local news and then uh, was picked up by now. And, uh, and we were kind of off to the races um, with a lot of folks trying to figure out what's the cookbook to do uh, to do Ready Player One School. So uh, that led uh, to me meeting Erica Donalds, who's the CEO of the Optima Foundation, and together, uh, we founded Optima Domi, uh, which is um, an online classical school uh, uh, delivery model. We're a virtual instruction provider, but we uh, we're excited about delivering classical education in virtual reality. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, you gave so much information there. Thank you for that background. I had so many. First of all, it was cool to hear the Teach for America piece because I've had this theory for a while that Teach for America is like my optimal target market for being an entrepreneur because you know a lot of people from Teach for America come from a business background or not an education background, but yet obviously they have a pretty strong interest in education and moving that forward. And so I've really been working with our lo local Teach for America group to kind of uh, see if I can chat with alumni and see who's interested. So thank you for proving that theory. <laughs> That's true. I was, a, I was a Miami Corps member 2005. Good, it was Perfect. a good year. Good yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And that, that definitely fits exactly what I was thinking. Um, and you're obviously interested in the education space and innovating there. Super cool. And I, I love the VR um, concept. I think it has such a uh, potential to really transform online education for students and that missing link that we have in engaging and building relationships. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about the classical piece because that was a little unexpected. So tell me more about how you came up with uh, or why you were moving towards the classical education piece with the VR. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, there are a lot of people who define classical education um, in different ways, but, um, you know, really at the core of, of classical education is um, uh, a love for the great books. And so, um, you know, Socrates was skeptical of books. You know, the grammar book was one of the first technologies in ancient Greece. And Socrates thought that if people read books, they would lose their memories and they mm -hmm. wouldn't be great orators. And, uh, you know, he was right about a lot of things, but he was wrong about books. Um, yes, uh, there was there was some trade-offs in terms of how the brain was formed. Uh, but if, if it weren't for Plato and his love for writing, we wouldn't know who Socrates is. So um, I think that VR uh, will face the same scrutiny. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that people will be hesitant to embrace the tool, um, but VR is just the tool, right? Classical education, which is really not only about the great books, but it's about forming great hearts and teaching civic virtue. Um, you know, at, at worst, if all we do is, um, help children be their best selves and have an appreciation for um, this rich American heritage that we have, uh, I think that we will be successful. And um, it, it, it's a kind of, um, it kind of stands in opposition to this idea that education is about maximizing utility. 
Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so when I talk to teachers and interview teachers, I usually ask, what's the difference between teaching for excellence and teaching for genius? Mm. Right. And that's just an interesting concept for any entrepreneur or edupreneur to think about, you know, what's the difference uh, with a strategy or a school model that optimizes utility versus one that optimizes Right. And so um, up until this point in our history, the very best empathy machine in the world was a great book. Right. That's how we could transport ourselves into the shoes of someone else. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the discussions that kind of came around someone who really had deep domain expertise around that great book and could facilitate rich discussions. With virtual reality, we've now sped up that empathy process. And we now have a machine that is an even more compelling empathy machine because we can literally uh, walk a mile in someone else's body, right? Perspective take, walk a mile in someone else's shoes. And so I think the marriage of the two, the very best time-tested content with the most innovative and efficient delivery model. I think creates the opportunity for us to transition online education from highly transactional to Mm -hmm. highly relational, which is the secret sauce. It really is. Yeah. And I think, you know, everyone's in agreement that that social emotional learning piece has been huge, a missing factor, even in brick and mortar schools, right? It's, it's a focus. It's something that we know students need more of, and especially with the trauma from the last couple of years, um, we know students are, you know, lacking those pieces and need that connection with others and that that's important. I think that's really highlighted that for a lot of us that we do need other people and that being alone and isolated all the time is not the best in the best interest of of humanity. And so we have to find a way to, to innovate and continue forward. So I I think you're really onto something with that. Um, Would you tell us a little bit more about, because I know you're thinking about some things in terms of starting schools and kind of what that's going to look like. Just kind of tell me about the future, what you're thinking, what you're planning for how you're going to utilize this technology in the curriculum. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like at the, at the core of what we're, we're working on is, is, you know, we want to be able to find a way to, to scale the power uh, of classical schools. And um, you know, we, we, there's huge demand. If you, if you think about what is happening right now, um, you know, for people who are interested in school choice or excited about student agency and and family agency, um, for the last two years, people have been paying close attention to what their children are consuming, right? They've been at home, they've been watching, and um, you can just kind of scour social media for the memes and the responses to homeschool, right? Yeah. (laughs) And, And the reality is, we really didn't have homeschool, right? We had crisis school, right? Right. We didn't have homeschool. Um, and so it, there's created this new opportunity to redefine what school is, what is mm-hmm. the purpose of school. And um, I think that in the past, um, the school decision has been tightly coupled with the real estate decision. And I think with the great resignation and people wanting to move more freely and more and more of the uh, private sector, uh, having people working from home, people are reimagining uh, 
what the relationship with the school feels and looks like. And so more people are open to a more flexible model that the brick and mortar option just doesn't really give you. And so um, people have been looking at online education. And so online schools have grown, whereas brick and mortar schools have been flat. And um, the feedback right now is that uh, people want the flexibility, but they also want the relationships. And as you said, they want that self-actualization and social emotional development. Um, What we're building is we're building a uh, an online model that is um, really focused on synchronous instruction. And that synchronous instruction happens in the metaverse uh, with faculty and students all present together um, because we're trying to solve the problem of loneliness mm-hmm. in the current delivery model. We want to improve online education. We think that um, a key way to do that is focus on um, teaching virtue. And our theory basically is that you can't teach virtue in two dimensions. Zoom is engineered for utility, not for potential, right? And so we need a VR platform that can kind of capture the common courtesy of connection that you can't capture in a two dimensional platform. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I really can relate with that. And I think that that's been having worked in online education for the past 12 years, that's been the biggest uh, hurdle to overcome is figuring out how to how to connect people in that way. So that's great. So thinking from kind of your entrepreneurship shoes now, speaking of thinking in other people's perspectives, what would you say are kind of the biggest challenges you faced in getting this started, um, you know, as a business and, and getting this off the ground? Well, it's interesting. We, um, we, we've been in, you know, incredibly blessed. One, one real challenge for VR curriculum development is, is clearly cost and expertise. And we've been able to um, assemble just an incredible team and, um, and, and, and raise some capital that has helped us to uh, begin to build a minimal viable product. And so uh, where most people have run into those issues around uh, costs, we've been, we've been fortunate. Um, I will say this to that question. I think one opportunity that we've had is that, you know, folks who are, who have this level of expertise in terms of VR development that our, that our team has are typically focused in the entertainment or gaming space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and so they're not focused in the education space because, you know, to build relationships with students doesn't have a short sales cycle right? It's not a SaaS business model. It doesn't right. fit into what um, venture capitalists love or, or what Silicon Valley really thinks is kind of uh, is, is sexy or exciting at the time. And so um, we haven't had you know, a lot of people who are, or who have that VR development expertise be playing in the education space. Um, likewise, um, the type of compliance and the type of uh, barriers to entry that the uh, traditional school system kind of has in place deters a lot of people mm-hmm. um, from positioning themselves to even be in that space, right? Um, yeah. On the flip side, those who are educators who would, you know, fill out a virtual instruction application or complete an online charter school application in the state, mm-hmm. they don't have access or experience with the VR development side. So right. it's the marriage of those two domain expertise that I think make um, Optima Domi unique. We are completely 
passionate about giving access to um, a world-class classical education for free uh, to mm -hmm. students. And in order to do that, we need to partner with um, great education departments around the country uh, who are open to allowing an alternative to the, the current status quo in online education. And, um, and then we also need to have the domain expertise to be able to build uh, VR environments that, uh, that are um, high quality, that, uh, mm -hmm. that are focused on optimizing um, human experience, right? Educate, you know, mm -hmm. for me at the core of what we do, we engineer educational experiences that matter in the lives of children. Mm -hmm. And you just don't see a lot of folks thinking or focusing on that, that, right. uh, that uh, experience. Yeah. And obviously you're thinking about it from access um, as well in terms of, you know, reaching students that otherwise wouldn't have that opportunity. If I live in rural, small town, you know, Oklahoma, and I don't have access to a school that provides something like this, um, the internet makes that capable, right? And VR makes That's that right. possible. I happen to live in rural Mississippi and I work in Naples, Florida. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I interact with my children in the metaverse. And, and, um, and so this innovation allows uh, a level of connection that I wouldn't have on FaceTime or Zoom. Yeah, yeah, that's really neat. A great mission. Is there anything specific that you wish that you would have known and more information about in the beginning? Like, man, it would have been nice if I would have known this when I was getting started. Can you think of some things to share? Ooh, um, It's a tremendous question. Um, I don't have any regrets uh, about the way that we've structured things, but I do think that, um, you know, I do think that it's helpful to, to, to other entrepreneurs um, to really think in terms of four areas as they're kind of managing their team and managing their business. I think culture, uh, clarity, capacity, and cash, those four C's I think would be helpful to other entrepreneurs, edupreneurs as they're building organizations. That's my dashboard. Like every day I'm thinking, you know, how do I contribute uh, to the culture of our company and our team? How do I help us optimize? How do I help push um, the, the shared vision of being able to teach virtue in online education? Um, mm -hmm. And then I'm thinking about capacity. Where are the areas, and you have to be really honest, like where are the areas that uh, we have growth edges and how can I allocate um, resources so that uh, we can grow that capacity um, uh, and, and clarity? You know, how mm -hmm. are we communicating? How am I First, listening. You know, how, how can I be a better listener? Um, there's so many entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that are incredibly charismatic. And they spend time doing a lot of talking. Um, mm -hmm. But I think really one of the most important tools and one of the things that I'm constantly working on is listening. And then mm -hmm. lastly, um, you know, at the, at the core of, of your role as the organizational leader, you need to be thinking about um, the allocation of resources and you want to make sure that uh, there's some cash in the bank, right? Um, yes. <laughs> in, in a capitalistic system, you have to have capital to make things go. And so uh, there are people who have all of the other three C's, but they just, you know, they don't have the blocking and tackling in place, um, you know, in the form of, of just capital. 
to make yeah. uh, the, you know, a lot of new startups, a lot of new businesses drown um, because they're, they're uh, overextended in terms of human capital and underextended in terms of capital. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if that's a helpful answer, but no, it those, does. And it kind of leads into the next question. Just, you know, what advice would you give to an engineer that's interested in getting started? Were there specific resources that you found, books that you read, people, you know, mentors that you reached out to, or how did you, or what advice would you give to, to others who are getting started? So, Cause those are some really uh, valid hurdles that you mentioned, especially the financial yeah. piece. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of educators, um, right. Are, are well positioned, uh, to come up with ideas. I think the execution part of the idea, um, is where, uh, a lot of folks get, uh, stuck. Right. So, so if you get in a room of educators, they're well positioned. They, they've, they've had to be the sage on the stage. They've been in front of classrooms. They, they're good on their feet and they can come up with some great ideas. It's taking the idea and developing the operational uh, capacity to, uh, to, to really um, deliver. And, um, and so there are a number of great books um, and, 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 you know, uh, I would have to like post in the show notes, all of the books that I've, I've read. Um, mm -hmm. But I would say that uh, one of the, one of the, 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 the really good places to start uh, would be Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. Mm -hmm. Because I think what it, what it opens up for folks is the idea of um, prioritizing what is important and getting on your agenda as opposed to someone else's agenda. And so those two things, when you're an entrepreneur uh, or an entrepreneur, you really need to know how to subtract the things that um, um, are uh, not as important. The other uh, tool that I would say is really, really important to me and probably my favorite book is called The Time Block Planner. Oh, that's cool. And um, and uh, the time block planner was built by um, Cal Newport. Okay. Cal Newport is a, a computer science professor at Georgetown. He's around um, our age. So he's an 80s baby, but he has some great quotes. And one of his best quotes is focus is the new IQ. Mm. And so when I say it's really important for the entrepreneur to subtract, um, there's so many amazing things when you're an entrepreneur that people want to get you involved in because mm -hmm. you're a talented person. Um, you'll be measured by the ones you say no to, right? Yeah. So you have to really get good at blocking and protecting your time. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, as Cal Newport says, focus is the new IQ. So um, I think, you know, the entrepreneur, my, my, uh, my uh, advice would be that the entrepreneur, um, their real asset is their time mm -hmm. and spending uh, as much of their focus on the front end, allocating their time is going to be the most helpful thing and, and uh, deliver the most returns on their investment. Yeah. Yeah. And that he's the author of deep work, right? Yeah. Which is, yeah. yeah I just started reading that actually. So that's great. Yeah, that you brought so that up. That's great, great minds think alike. You should yes. order his time block planner. This is, I will uh, definitely this, check that out. That looks this cool. Is, uh, this is deep work in practice. This is, uh, 
uh, Cal Newport is, is, is fabulous. And, um, and, uh, like I said, uh, this is the book I touched the most. Mm-hmm. And then, and then lastly, you know, for those who are interested in virtual reality, um, you know, um, I think ready player, uh, ready player one and, and ready player two would be two great books to uh, get started. Yeah, that's such a cool name. I'm, I'm glad you incorporated that. I think that obviously connects to a lot of young people and students and such a great way to, to bring it together and help think about it that way. So you told us a little bit about kind of your future plans for VR and access and reaching students. Um, if people are interested or want to know more about what you're doing, how can they kind of contact you and reach out to you? What would be the best way for them to get a hold of you? Absolutely. Um, I am on LinkedIn, Adam Mangana on LinkedIn, uh, which would be a really easy way to connect. Um, I would love for folks to check out our website, www.optimadomi.com. Um, and uh, if there are families that are interested in uh, attending uh, Optima Classical Academy, we will be opening enrollment uh, fall, uh, October 1 of this year uh, for a fall 2022 start. So uh, depending on where your interests may lie. Um, we're going to start in the state of Florida, but we will be soon expanding. Hopefully see you in Oklahoma I, soon. I know. I was going to say, we're going to work on that, right? We're going to expand to right. other states. That's right. But, and you and, <laughs> I, for sure you and I, we're going to get it figured out. <laughs> That's right. Very cool. And we'll put your information in the show notes as well. So that'll be there for people to reach out to you. Um, is there anything else that you kind of want to share with entrepreneurs? Just as kind of a final thoughts or things that you'd want to to share for others advice. I know this, you know, the intention of this podcast is just to share information out and help others that are interested in similar things. So anything else that you can think of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the internet is a really young idea and, um, you know, there's very few folks who are in the world who would say that the impact of, of the internet, um, is not significant, right? There are very few folks who would not acknowledge the uh, the change um, that the internet has has given to the world. Um, at the core of what the internet is, it is um, the decentralization and the dematerialization of language, right? So mm. the, the the crazy idea was that Aaron, you and I could send our language to each other at the speed of light. Um, for free, right? In the form of an email. And from that technology, we have created, you know, multi-trillion dollar businesses, right? And an incredible amount of wealth. What is happening in this new industrial revolution is that um, we are, we're, we're layering on top of the internet, the ability to send our monetary energy at the speed of light. And I think the intersection of virtual reality, the blockchain and AI is gonna allow for a lot of human flourishing. Uh, But we need to raise a generation of students that don't ask the question, can we build it? But ask Mm -hmm. the question, should we build it? And so the best working years of my life are gonna be dedicated to trying to scale teaching ethics and making, you know, students focused on civic virtue, because I think the tools are going to get so powerful. If we don't do that, then we miss this great opportunity for human flourishing, and mm-hmm. we enter into an opportunity for human exploitation. 
And I yeah. think that is uh, the highest and best use of those who are wired to be entrepreneurs is mm-hmm. to get in this movement with us and uh, get shoulder to shoulder. And let's figure out how to take these emerging technologies and not mm-hmm. ask, can we build, but figure out ways to ask, should we build? And, yeah. um, and so that would be my message. Anybody who's working on that is uh, somebody I'd like to help. And uh, please reach out if there's any way that you see some synergy. Yeah, such a great point. I'm glad you, glad you brought that up because I think that's been with social media. You know, one of the things that we've been talking about in the last few years is that what kind of, you know, Frankenstein have we created here and what, what are the parameters going to look like and how are we going to use this for good instead of evil in the world? And certainly there are plenty of benefits, um, but there are also some, some challenges and some things that can, can be negative in that space as well. So yeah, I appreciate you thinking it from that, through that lens. And I, um, there definitely needs to be more atoms in the world that are thinking like you are. So I appreciate you being on the podcast and sharing with us. It's great to get to talk with you. Aaron, it was my pleasure and you're doing incredible work. And uh, I love this idea of, of entrepreneurs. We need more social entrepreneurs in the world. And uh, if there's any way I can ever help you, uh, I'd love to. I'm honored to be on the podcast. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate that. Yeah. Take care. We'll definitely talk some more. <laughs> All right. Have a great Thanks. one. You too.